are a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Putt with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. Well, good day, everybody. How are you going? Welcome to the very first episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. I love the intro, how it says, yet another episode, and yet we haven't even recorded one yet. This is our very first episode. G'day, Matt Crummins. How are you going? I'm so good, except I've heard rumors that you've been going through all my Facebook groups trying to find out some dirt on me, so I'm a little bit nervous about this. (laughs) I needed to to find – I I was searching high and low to try and find a nickname for you so that we can include it in that intro, and nobody knew of anything, so I I had trouble. So – my apologies for not including a, a nickname there in your intro, but I hope you love the intro. I do. You like that? I do. It's very yeah. Austin Powers. I actually, when I, <laughs> when I first heard it, I went out to the garden, got a flower, took all my clothes off and walked around the house with the flower just in place. A little bit like that intro to, uh, to Austin Powers. It got, me, it got me in the mood. Got me in the mood. I just wish you'd sent me those photos as well, mate. But, you know, funny you mentioned about, you know, being nude with a flower in front because I'm actually just sitting here naked and that's probably one of the benefits of doing a podcast. This is why we're not doing it on video. Oh, right. Okay. Yep, yep. No, I get it now. (laughs) Gone is Zoom and now we're just doing uh, the podcast here so that people can just hear us rather than seeing us, which is probably best for everybody. Well, actually, hold on. Hold on. Tom, I thought, oh my God, the actual video, it looks like you're wearing those fancy pants, but you've just dyed your leg hair. This is it. This is it. Well, I should have probably got a full wax for you because I know you you like me, you know, freshly waxed and shaven, but... uh, Look, we're going into the inappropriateness already and we're only two minutes in, which is fantastic. So I think that sort of sets the mood for the the rest of this series. So let's talk more about what we're going to do because seriously, like for everybody listening, we've hardly workshopped this at all, have we, Matt? Like this has all come together very quickly. Last week, I, I decided that I wanted to put together a podcast. I contacted you. You immediately said yes, which I just thought, wow, that's just great vibes. That's obviously meant to be. And then uh, all of a sudden, I just sent you this graphic and said, here, chuck this up on your social pages and, and off we went. Yeah. And, and in fact, three minutes ago, we learned how to do podcasting through through software and internet and stuff like that. So I think it's been a, a really cool learning curve. And I'm actually pretty excited about it, to be honest. It's it's the first time I have get, get to talk to an actual photographer and not just Nick. Oh, I was wondering how long it was going to take for you to roast him. Yeah, well, you know, I've been copying it from him all day, so. Well, I know. Well, you copped it uh, the other day. I listened to your BFOP uh, podcast there, and I got a mention about 10 times, which was very embarrassing, although I didn't secretly. I loved it. Yeah. Well, and uh, and and poor Nick, he, he just spat that dummy far and wide, didn't he? And so he should, really. I mean, I, <laughs> why? I just think it's a bit of a wake-up call. You know, it's like a relationship when one person's not holding up their end of the bargain, and, and suddenly they realise, that their partner's actually serious and they're like oh shit so- I, I think for far too long and look matt there's been rumblings and and look we've probably kept this from you but we've felt that nick has probably used and abused you for a bit too long it's been three years now and so it was as you said a bit of a wake-up call that's it that's it and here we are on this excellent new adventure an excellent adventure and thanks everybody for listening i really do hope you uh get something from this um we we sort of uh, talked about the fact that it probably should be more entertaining than anything, probably largely inappropriate. You're probably best to listen to this uh, later in the evening when you've had a few drinks yourself, and uh, then you'll probably get a few more laughs out of it than uh, otherwise. But um, what I guess the objective to do here is 
is not only just uh, have a bit of banter, but also talk a little bit about perhaps what's going on in the world of photography, or at least what's happening for us. Um, so the idea is that we'll probably come up with the topic each week. And, uh, and also, too, we'd probably like to have your input as well and hear from others. What do you reckon, Matt, about what we should talk about each week? Yeah, definitely. I think the cool thing about uh, uh, having some, I guess, you know, making this podcast is that I feel like whenever I listen to photography podcasts, more often than not, they go down the rabbit hole of technical stuff or they're, I don't know, it's a bit too highbrow, like it's sort of talk, yeah, talk down that. to. And I, yeah, yeah. photography no, shouldn't, shouldn't be that at all. It really should be a bit of fun. You know, we all got to remember why we're doing it in the first place. Um, and also, at the end of the day, not everything needs to be difficult and technical. You know, sometimes it's all just about getting out there with a real, you know, like get out there with 50% of the idea and then just and make it happen. There's that, you know, that, um, is it a Branson quote? He sort of says, uh, jump off the, say yes and work out how to later or something like that. How to work out later. It's yeah. sort of like uh, Mary uses the uh, analogy of uh, uh, build, a bi- build the bike while you're riding it. So, you don't have to have perfected it and uh, know all the ins and outs before you start doing it. So I've kind of taken that philosophy on in my own work, to be honest. I'm, I'm a real perfectionist and uh, and yet it's held me back from doing many things. And, and now I, I literally have to give that up almost every day to just say, you know what, just do it anyway. And if it's 90% there, that's good enough. You know, I got my first, I, I don't want to say like my first real compliment, but I reckon I got one of my first real photography compliments this week. Oh, yeah. Go so on. Talking about perfectionists, because I'm not a perfectionist by any stretch of the imagination. I'm quite the opposite. I just love to be a bit gung ho, just get things done. And I think BFOP kind of reflects that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, to me, when I go out shooting, you know, I obviously shoot to the best of my ability. I go out there and, you know, I do my best, but I'm also a bit of a generalist. Like, I, 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 do, I love my wildlife, but I do a bit of everything. And I don't really do landscapes that much. Right. Like, I do right. it when I'm out and about, but it's not, you know, my first go to. Yeah. And um, I was having a chat with Carl from Olympus this week and I, yeah. I happened to bring up this photo of um, one of the Northern Territory trips that we did. And, um, and, you know, I've always looked past it like, oh, it's a nice photo, but there's nothing special. And as soon as he saw it, he's like, Matt, wow, that is just such a beautiful landscape shot. And I was just so chuffed because I, I, I'm not that perfectionist. I don't know what to look for in it sometimes. And, yeah, I, I was, I was uh, what you're saying there about like, being held back by being a perfectionist, I'm kind of the opposite. Sometimes I just skim straight over it. And I'm like, wait, I probably should stop and smell those roses for a second. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, congratulations to you. That's Thanks. fantastic. It's been very exciting. Me, um, we will continue more on that discussion perhaps uh, later. I just wanted to set some um, some parameters. I guess the couple of things that we, we, we should establish is how often are we going to do this podcast? Oh, we probably should have spoken about this before we started, shouldn't we? <laughs> well, I have an idea in mind, but I was hoping that I was hoping you remembered from our, our brief chat on that. I thought something like a, a fortnightly basis. Yeah, like, I don't want to put the pressure on ourselves to do it weekly. We've we've both got busy lives, uh, families, etc. So um, I guess uh, when we've got good content to record, we will. Uh, yet, please don't expect this to be uh, coming out every week and uh, and wait by your email in, or, or Facebook in order to. Um, receive a notification on that so but people can listen to the same episode again oh, you, know, you again could listen again. to it twice so each week you just listen to the previous episode just to make oh, sure God. you've got all the all the gold nuggets and that that way every week you'll feel like you're being entertained you've, you've brought up two things for me one is that this is not the first time i've done a podcast in fact um years ago mary and i actually used to do live radio on a on a um, community radio station called jay air Wow. And um, we did that for a good 18 months and almost every week we went into the studio and we recorded a, an hour-long program that went live to air 
And that was fantastic. God, we had some fun. We had intros and outros left, right and centre. We had, hello, Frank Walker from National Tiles going all the time and uh, and all sorts of things, you know, Mort and, uh, and uh, what's it, King Julian from Madagascar. And we had all that stuff going, which was awesome. But that was a bit of fun. The other thing I wanted to discuss was gold nuggets. We really need to come up with a different name. You know why? I like the idea of giving people this little bit of information that they can go, wow, that was really worth listening to all their rubbish for 45 minutes in order to just hear that one little piece of information. But whenever somebody says a nugget, it just reminds me of somebody doing a poo. Yeah, but if it's gold, surely. <laughs> what, that, I what, just don't want to think about a gold nugget coming out of somebody's bum. Do you think this is kind of like, maybe the gold nugget though is that you got one thing out of this podcast and it was good, I mean, it was, but it was a little bit shit. I <laughs> know, no, it's a whole lot of shit and a, there was a little bit of good in it. Yeah, anyway, all right. Well, we'll, we'll, work, we'll workshop that, we'll workshop that. Um, what I was going to say too is the duration. I think some of the best podcasts that I listen to, and I listen to a lot of podcasts because I spend a lot of time in my car going back and forth, picking up uh, framing and artwork from in the city, stuff like that. So I probably spend a good four or five hours in my car each week is I think around the 40 to 45 minute mark is good because then it just gives people a chance to have a bit of light entertainment but by the same token not look at their watches and go, how long are these guys going to keep rabbiting on for? What do you think? Yeah, I think also it, it sort of limits the amount of drink and bathroom breaks we need. <laughs> you know, just a- I do drink a lot and I'm not talking about alcohol but I also too have the world's smallest bladder so like I literally will go to the toilet 10 times a day. So yeah, that that would probably be good for me because there's nothing worse than busting to go to Lou and you've you still got ten minutes of the podcast to get done. See, I feel like that was the first nugget that you shared with everyone. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh my god, this is going to be bad. Um, let's let's do a little intro, Matt, because there might be some people that are listening and they're ten minutes in and they're going, "I've got no idea who these guys are, what they're all about, and what's this beef up and this Nick guy that they keep mentioning, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. So. How about you kick us off? Who are you? What do you do? What's this beef up? And who is Nick, your secret lover or something else? Uh, well, I just I don't know that he deserves any airtime. Um, no. <laughs> the, um, so I, I'm Matt Crummins. Uh, I, I'm a bit probably from a different space to a lot of photographers in my kind of cohort. Uh, I come from a, uh, a background in video and um, loved underwater photography for a long time, got picked up by Olympus and um, worked with them for quite some time. Flicked over, started doing my own workshop um, business about four years ago full-time and now I run the Bright Festival of Photography with Nick. Um, I run workshops, I do corporate commercial photography but to be honest, I really enjoy the teaching aspect of photography. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not a competitions guy. I think we should have a pod, we have a podcast about competitions because I know you're very into your competitions, Tom, and I'm the exact opposite. Um, <laughs> right. But uh but yeah, I, I really I do enjoy my photography. I love all sorts of genres. I love experimenting with it, playing with it, doing um, something different all the time to keep me entertained. But uh, I, I really do love the teaching aspect, and I actually really like seeing people succeed in their photography. Um, I wow. get I get a lot of joy out of sort of seeing my student group or the beef up group or my colleagues and things winning awards because I'm like, oh, I know that person. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. great. Great so, sense of satisfaction from helping them achieve their goals. Exactly. And it's a way for me to sort of, you know, defer the fact that I didn't win any awards. <laughs> yeah. You're not into that? You don't chase the award things? No, I, you know, I, I've, I've won, I reckon, three I'll say competitions rather than awards because they actually had prizes, not prestige. Um, and 
I, I think that I, at the start, because I wasn't really, I kind of dabbled into photography. I didn't just start off going, I'm going to be a photographer. Um, I think by the time I kind of got established, I surprised myself that I was, what I, with what I was sort of doing in my workshops and stuff like that, in that um, uh, I, I went down that path first. And now when I enter competitions and, and also see what wins some of the competitions, um, it upsets me a lot. Um, you know, Wildlife Photographer of the Year winning for a photo of cows. Um, you know, <laughs> right. up against some really amazing photographers taking pictures of like, you know, whales doing super cool stuff and things. It just upset me so much. I'm like, I can't do it. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Find it yeah. debilitating. debilitating. I want to back up a bit because when I first came across you, uh, I did, I do remember now that you were, were one of the few that were running these underwater photography workshops. Do you still do those? Uh, yeah, I do them privately because I realised that having six people underwater, not being able to talk um, in Melbourne conditions, <laughs> it's it's really just a death trap. Um, I actually wonder this because I'm like, hold on a second, it's hard enough to run an aerial photography workshop where you're flying around in a plane with the door off at 150, 200 kilometres an hour, trying to speak to people with the noise of the engine and the wind coming through the, the door that you've prized off. It's another level to try and... Um, I don't know, sign language underwater while you're trying to run an underwater photography workshop. Uh, it was Look, we worked out some pretty cool ways to talk to each other. The problem was that whilst we worked it out individually, we never had a common understanding of what we were saying. So <laughs> I was so like, yeah, cool. I just told them like a whole paragraph of what to do and they look at me like, yeah. what? what? I, I might yeah. as well be a freaking goldfish under there. Right. Yeah. So, no, I do still Where's run them. The, but mostly, you know, it's like anything though. I think you, you can learn any type of photography the theory part, the practice part, there's always ways to translate it. So I teach it on land now and then tell people to go and practice yeah. underwater. Right, right. And where's the, where's your favourite spot to go diving here in Victoria? Well, here in Victoria, it has to be Flinders Pier um, right. with the weedy sea dragons. Um, oh, I would love to see one of those. I've never seen one. You I mean, live I'm on not... the peninsula. I know, Matt, but like, I need you to come down here and show me. I, I can snorkel. I can't scuba. Oh, you don't need to snorkel. Yeah. But, but then I... And, and, you know, you say Flinders Pier, I've been down there a million times to photograph it, and yet I'd, I'd love to see one of those. It's like a, like a chameleon. I always wanted to see a chameleon, and I never thought I'd, that day would come. And then all of a sudden in Africa a few years ago, oh, my God, wow, photographed it. It was amazing. Did it, I, change, I would just did it change in front of you? Did it actually um, change color in front of you? Oh, that's probably, probably yeah, oh, yeah. This was, this was sort of a yellow through to about a greenish, I think I remember at one stage there. But we were freaked out more by the fact that he just kept moving his eyes everywhere. That was bloody brilliant. <laughs> they're, they're just so cool. It was unreal. And we had no idea how fast this dude was going to move. This was in the Namibian desert, right? So, like, we're on this private gravel road into this diamond mine of all places on a road we weren't really supposed to stop at because they they believe that if you're stopping in any way between the entrance and the mine itself, that you're probably found or seen a piece a diamond on the on the road and therefore you're there to collect it. Oh. They literally will scan your car front to back uh, before and after you enter, right? So um, my guide stopped and, and we were there on the side of the road for about 15, 20 minutes photographing this animal. And I had no idea how slow they moved because I just thought that this little dude was going to run off on us at any moment. So I'm telling the participants to grab their shots and start off back here and, you know, if it runs off, at least you've got something. Well, oh, my God, we're almost on top of the thing by the end of it. And the poor dude was trying to everything go every which way to try and avoid us. But uh, we kept on... um, 
we kept on surrounding him and pegging him down, and we got some great shots. But I just I can't picture a chameleon in the desert. I thought they were like tropical, you know, hanging out in palm trees, not palm well, trees, but like it. ferns and yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, rainforest of all places. But no, this dude was like literally in the desert, so um, he was very cool. I just Lovely don't see the point of having the ability to change color if you live in. It's just the same. Oh, well, he blended in nicely, nonetheless. Yeah. Um, I wanted to also say you you are very passionate about shooting and 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 sorry, should it say teaching, and you run a ridiculous amount of workshops. Yeah, how do you do it? I, as in, I mean, there's 365 days in the year. <laughs> I think you told me that you um, ran something like. 200 or 250 workshops or something ridiculous or on 200 days of the year you were running a workshop is that right yes i i run uh i I, well this is a different year obviously but if i look at my average year i run between probably 200 and 250 workshops a year that is unbelievable. Um, yeah. But the thing is that my workshops are different to, to what you would do as well, though, because you would run like a full day workshop generally. And I do have some full day things, but a lot of my stuff is um, they're shorter, you know, three hours. So I can run three workshops in a day, like a morning, an afternoon, and an evening one. So right. I try and compress it a bit like that. Um, but, and what are, what are your yeah. sort of core offerings? What are the ones you're, you're known for, you're famous for? Oh, I don't think I'm famous for any of them, to be honest. Um, <laughs> infamous, maybe. But uh, right. no, I run, um, I would probably say that my core workshops are more around um i'll say like i call it travel and street um which is kind of a it's not wank street photography and it's not pure amateur travel it's kind of like i go on holidays and i take really boring horrible photos what are some of the key things i can do to make that instantly a lot better without having to learn tons and tons of stuff so my kind of i guess spin on photography workshops is to simplify things down to you know, bite-sized chunks, fun analogies, things like that. So um, less genre-specific, though. So I would say that I'm much more of a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none kind of guy when it comes to this stuff, um, whereas, you know, well, I guess you've got to introduce yourself as well in a second. Um, but, like, yeah, your, your sort of style of photography workshops, they're very much like you're, you're top of your game in that genre. And for me, I would say I'm not top of my game in any genre in particular. Oh, I'm just generally oh, okay. This is why I partnered up with you so you can blow the sunshine up my ass yeah. every, every episode. This will be great. I've actually got Keep like going. I've got like a, a, it's like a swear jar, but it's like a, a Tom compliments jar, and I'm, I'm just yeah keeping tabs. Oh, it, yeah, it'll be overflowing already. It yeah. must be a very small jar. Um, <laughs> but but tell me, you you talked about coming from video background. Is that something that you still do or offer? Yeah, I do. I don't offer it on a workshop basis, but I do for my commercial corporate clients. So I do all sorts of stuff. Like I, I, some of my, you know, I guess that's one of the benefits of being, I, I hate the word professional photographer. It just, it really rubs me out the wrong way. But um, professional photography, media, video, I, I've sort of got a bit bit of all that background and I enjoy all of it. So a lot of the clients that I work with, I kind of do a bit of a jack of all trades thing for their right, okay. as well. Yeah. What percentage of that business is, is the video business is your overall business then compared to your workshop? Ooh, I reckon it in probably terms of time, I guess. Oh, in terms of time. Uh, so yeah. time is different to revenue. So time-wise, wow. I probably, <laughs> yeah, time-wise, I probably do 20%. Uh, yeah, all right. So it's the 80-20 principle. 80-20. 20% of the time is the video, but it's 80% of your revenue. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> So, you know, like it just keeps it different for me, you know, and I, I learned so much. I, the thing is I never stop learning myself and I love going out on a shoot and my client to give me some sort of absolutely whack job brief where I'm just like, are you serious? Like I was in New Zealand last year photographing um, a steel smelt place yep. Um, yep. and 
there's some of the photos that they came up with and they're like, oh, so we really want this shot. And it's, you know, a person standing there and molten lava steel pouring up behind them and there's going to be sparks flying everywhere. Jesus. But the problem is it's really dark and you've got to be in the PPE <laughs> and I'm just looking at it going, oh, this is going to be such a joke. And sure enough, you know, we got a shot that was somewhat resemblant of that in the end. Um, but I learned so much just by mucking around and playing. So I, I really enjoyed that aspect of my work. Yeah, right. You're, you're challenged by that, it sounds like. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, yeah. and you know what? And when you don't pull it off, you, the relationship you build with your client is they, they know that you, if you can't do it, and you tell them no, that did not work, and that was never going to work. You know, they'll yep. take your word for it and go, "Yep, yeah, all right, let's uh, all right. let's reset so those." Up, yeah, you're pretty upfront about that. You might have like, well, you know, this is probably outside my my you know area of specialty, but look, let's give it a go anyway. A hundred percent, absolutely, right. absolutely. Okay. I think if you're honest with people, um, and you know, uh, talk through those ideas and set a bit of common ground with them, then you know, you can never go wrong. You know, it's when- good like that. I think you're pretty upfront and honest, and and you're quite jovial. And so you'd probably just present it that way and the client would either go, oh, God, who have we hired? Or they'd say, yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And if you like this from, <laughs> if you like this from day one, they don't get a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. Now, you're recently uh, a father as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. That is awesome. Yeah. You must be a hell of a lot younger than me because my fathering days are well over. I don't know. I, just, I thought that it's not a problem with the blokes, is it? Anyway, but you are you are a hell of a lot older than me. No, um, <laughs> no, it's um that, that's keeping me busy. You know, it's really kind of good that it's a lockdown year for me because um you I know, know yeah what the quality time you can spend with your family, which is awesome. Mm, yep, I get how to. How old is your How old is your little one now? She's like nine weeks this she's week. Nine, nine weeks. weeks. Oh my god, that's so young. That's so it, early on. It is. It is. Um, but the best is yet to come. I don't the know. Yeah, because the quality time at the moment really just involves me tolerating not. I don't know. Quality is the wrong word. So sleepless nights and crying lots and yeah. why? Why is she doing that? Yeah, yeah, all yeah. that stuff. That's it. She's already cost you me a fortune feel- as well because we 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 went oh. camping. We tried to get clever and we went camping, and um, at five weeks, and uh, we went to Mount Alexander, which is bloody freezing. But I thought, what a good opportunity to go and get some astro stuff as well. Um, we're well, clearly wanting to get some sort of divorce early on in this relationship, aren't you? <laughs> well, it didn't work very well. I mean, she was okay, but it was a bad night's sleep. We got back and immediately decided that the the van that we've got was too small. So already this child has, has cost me um, yeah, a fortune in upgrading a van. So, oh, God. Yeah. Kids, kids, that doesn't stop, mate. No. Uh, I think that statistics on kids, and this is an old figure, between um, – Zero to eighteen or zero to twenty-one is something in the order of about a quarter of a million dollars is what they cost you. So yeah, right. Um, yeah, welcome to my world. Mm, I'm going to have to get her like you have to go into like the the child Are model world. Eating? Uh, Are you eating on this podcast? No, I've got a drink and it's got ice. How? Oh, oh, you're chewing on ice. Yeah, sorry. Ah, uh, well, I hope you've got um, gin or something in the or gin and tonic in that. I'm actually on, I'm on the CC and dries at the moment, but um, CC and dries, nice. yeah, a bit of a kickback. So um, and it's only nine in the morning, so you're doing pretty well, man. You, if you held off till now, that's great. I thought you were going to ask me what I've been doing in lockdown, and that was one of my answers. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're getting onto that in a second. So you've got to then ask me. Yeah. Well, was it exactly? I think you've got to. Oh. I'm going to get. But you gave me a bit of an intro, so I'm going to give you an intro how I met you. Because um, oh, this God. is a really funny one, actually. So I'm, I went into this industry completely oblivious to anyone. I had this great idea that if I researched the industry before I tried to break into it, I'd get okay. scared off. So <laughs> I just decided to not do any research. I quit my job and within like, I don't know, two weeks, I started up my workshops business. And I was stoked. I had this mailing list that I did on MailChimp. And every time, like every week when I got a subscriber, I was like, oh. I've made it. It's going to be amazing. And then all oh, of a sudden, 
I see this name. It was um, it was uh, inspired landscapes at the time. Yes. Yes, Tom Putt inspired. Right. I'm like, who is this person? Like, oh, I'm already attracting photographers to my workshops. And I went on there. I'm like, oh no, he knows what he's doing. Oh shit. <laughs> And, no, no, no. and then I found then I found through your uh, your workshop group, not your workshop group, but but through Facebook and things like that, I started seeing seeing your work pop up all over the place. And obviously, that's almost got to when you started the the the, the newer gallery down in Mornington. So, um, yeah, right, okay, yeah, Only a couple of years ago now, yeah, yeah that's right, because yeah, yeah. you popped in to see the old one, yeah, a while back. That's it. So tell oh. us, tell us your background because you've got a very long history. Mine's just, yeah, yeah, but it's, we don't want this to. To, to take too long there's there's better things to talk about but uh i've i've been photographing since i was 13 years old i've been did they have cameras back then <laughs> yes that's right i'm amazing a minolta xg9 it was it was my dad's old uh minolta film camera and uh i've been a professional since october 1998 so yes i'm old that's almost 22 years now um, I worked three years as a professional sports photographer. I'm not trained professionally in photography. I studied a degree in psychology and sociology at uh, Caulfield, Monash Caulfield Uni there. And, um, and I left that degree and decided that I really wanted to be a photographer more than anything else. And I was heavily involved competing in triathlon at the time and really enjoyed that and was paying to go you know, around the world to Hawaii Ironman and other places to photograph triathlon. And uh, and I landed a job with a sports agency here in Melbourne called Sport the Library. And at the time, they were the official photographers to the Australian Olympic team. And of course, uh, two years after that, the Olympic Games in Sydney were on. And I was fortunate enough to be uh, handpicked to be part of their team. And uh, I went to the opening and closing ceremonies and I photographed all sorts of stuff and, and, and had an amazing time and an amazing experience photographing the Sydney Olympics. But then left that job sort of 12 months later or so because I'd kind of done everything that I wanted to in that space and started my own family. And my daughter Ella was born. And, and at the time, I was actually working for Deloitte Consulting. I'd left the photography industry and decided that I wanted to perhaps pursue a career um, in the corporate world, uh, thinking that I had more to offer than just my photography. But uh, I found that I was really missing my photography more than anything else and not enjoying the corporate environment. So I was actually made redundant or my position was made redundant shortly after Ella was born. And uh, with that, I started my own small, very small portrait photography studio called Ella and Friends Photography, which specialised photographing kids and families um, in, in outdoors, not in a studio because I didn't have any studio background. Which I didn't know until like, October last year. I don't know. It right. might have been. It was after BFOP at the after party, I think. But I right. remember so vividly driving past that yes. business for years and yeah. years and yeah, right. going like, that's a really odd, like a really high traffic corner to have a business on. But like, it just seemed, it always baffled me because I didn't really know that people lived around that part of the city. I've always just driven through it. Like, I didn't sort of think yeah. outside the box there. But I did not know that that was yours until. Yeah, that was mine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, it started above my, um, you know, former partner's optometry practice in Martin Street, Brighton, right near the Gardenvale train station there, which, in fact, before we turned it into a, a, a photography studio, um, was actually our home. So we actually lived above the shop. So we moved in before Ella was born and we intended to live there just for 12 months. So that was pretty cool, living above a shop in a shopping strip with Nepean Highway on one side you know, 50 metres one side and the train station 50 metres the other side. And it was supposed to be a 12-month sort of little thing that we would do and, and it ended up being five years. And, in fact, um, 
Ella spent her first sort of 18 months of her life there. And I know embarrassingly, but she always reminds me of the fact that she fell down the stairs at the shop not once but twice as a baby. So that's not my proudest dad moment. And uh, and so um, we moved out of there back into a, a home that we had in, in Hampton after that. But um, that's where the once we moved out, that's where Ella and friends sort of housed. You know, we, we would see our clients there. We would do our... Um, design sessions, you know, our pre-photography sessions there, our pre-shoots there, and then we'd also show them the photographs and do our sales sessions there afterwards. Did you have Ella, sort of, Ella in the shop, like, as part of those meetings to sort of just get the, get the job over the line? Like Authenticity. You just, like, yeah. dip on her toe well, and make her put those eyes on? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, embarrassingly, later we, we moved into the genre of photographing kids and dogs and oh, sorry dogs exclusively and yet when we do these you know pre-design sessions for the clients and get they bring their dogs in and we talk about all the lovely things their dog did and what we were going to photograph etc you know to come to the end of the consultation and they'd say so what sort of dog have you got and i'd have to embarrassingly <laughs> i don't have one and they're like what are you i hate dogs Oh no, but um, that was bad. You know, it kind of doesn't sit well if you're uh, if you're not. I mean, dog owning yourself. I so. have to ask, what sort of mad person who? Because obviously, I mean, if you absolutely love dogs, like if you just, yeah. you know, some people are just dog mad. Um, yes. Like I love my dog, but I'm not a really dog. Like, oh my god, everything dogs. Right. But yeah. what kind of mad person says, I know, I will start a photography studio mm. based around something that I'm not that interested in. And not just uh, that, but dogs are not easy because they don't behave. Yeah. No, I, I think, um, i tell you what, I can remember the day specifically that came to me. I was out paddling on my kayak and I, I, I actually still to this day love exercising for many reasons, but one reason is that it clears my thoughts and I get really creative. It, it, and so I get access to some really interesting ideas when I do exercise. And I was out on my kayak and I was thinking about Maybe we should start photographing dogs. Maybe people would 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 like to have their dogs photographed. And believe, remember, this is 10, 12 years ago. This is before having a dog photograph was a cool thing to do. Like we were breaking the mold. We were we were forging new ground here. Um, and I thought to myself, well, no one's going to buy a photograph of their dog on their own. So we're going to have to make sure that we include the the family with the dog. We're going to have to include the dog owners, right? Because otherwise, we're just not going to be able to sell anything. Well, how wrong was I about that? You know, yeah. we, we many years, for probably five years, were the leaders. We sort of positioned ourselves as Melbourne's number one pet portrait photographers. And we had that beautiful space on the corner of Park Street and Kingsway in South Melbourne, which more than anything else cost me a fortune. And didn't, um, didn't want to mention and, that bit. And, yeah. <laughs> And uh, and uh, and we we had a very successful business from that. We we used to our main lead generator, our way of getting people through the door was to publish a beautiful hardcover coffee table book called Woof. And uh, maybe some people have seen that already. It was a beautiful big thirty by thirty centimeter hardcover coffee table book, about three or four hundred pages, sometimes weighing up to three and a half kilos. That we would have printed professionally with the the, the photos of of each of the dogs that we photographed with a lovely little story and we had a graphic designer um, put together these amazing f- custom design fonts to go alongside some of the stories, you know, to match the the dogs. If one was called Honey, I remember one year that we had a dog called Honey, so the designer put together this font where the, the O of the word Honey was in a shaped as a honey pot with bees coming out of it, you know. It was just amazing. And so, um, I yeah, thought, we, we I thought think- you were going to say that you did like the custom fonts as though like this is what the dog's handwriting would look like just based on their personality. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. this is it. No, we um we spent a lot of time on those, and so when I I quote you know that I've self published fourteen books, it's coming up to fourteen books now. Six of those were those dog books that we put together and uh, had commercially printed and raised a lot of money for charity, which is um you know nice nice thing to look back on. But uh, yeah, we sold that business back in two thousand and fourteen, and then since then I've been professional landscape photographer and never been more broke. But that's okay. Still love what I do. Um, but then uh, I've been photographing landscapes since you know 1997, and I've been running workshops since 2005. So I was one of the first to start running landscape photography workshops here in Australia. Um, there was only two others that I knew of at the time when I started, and and I got the idea from looking through uh, American photography magazines and seeing all the ads in the back of the magazines and thinking. Well, I love teaching and I love imparting my knowledge and maybe this is something we could do. And, and uh, you know, um, to be honest, and because I think this is probably a bit of a no-holds-barred type uh, podcast, I, I actually, part of the reason to starting up the workshops was the fact that I had young family and thought there's no way I'm going to be able to get out and take photographs otherwise. So I need some sort of excuse. So if I can claim um, that it's money generating, perhaps I'll, I'll get away with it. So I feel started. like I feel like I had a few, like just a couple of years of pre-thinking that, and now that you and know, now, I established the lie, you know, four years, early, and, yeah, that's it. You've done well. You've done well. So yeah, now, uh, now that was 15 years ago, March 2005. We did a workshop down on the Great Ocean Road. It was um, it was 395 dollars for the for the four days or three days, four days, and um, and we had five people come along. And we, we actually had it online. We had an, when I say an e-commerce website, we had a, a form that the people had to print out and then fax back to us. Um, and, uh, and, and we got bookings that way and that's the, you know, kind of the way we've done it ever since. So it's been, been, a, been an interesting journey. 15 years is a long time. I, yeah. You know, it's, um, it's, it's, it, it, it buoys me because then I think to myself, um, you know, what can we achieve in the next 15 years you and, know, in terms of what we can do and what we want to do. And I think that's that's really interesting though as well because it, you would have seen that whole change in photography as well because over the last 15 years there's been stupid amounts of change, not just from a technology point of view like the actual gear in your hand, but I guess the quality of that equipment, the accessibility of that equipment. Yeah. Um, yep. The popularity and I guess when you start to look at things like editing and the way that people are completely butchering things these days, you would have seen that <laughs> entire gamut of yep. – and I guess that's got to be kind of, I guess, scary and fun though, like having guess, seen it but then I going – I don't know. I don't know much has changed. I think at the end of the day we were always running them with people coming along with digital cameras. Same with Ella and Friends. We only ever used digital cameras. 2003, we started that business and I never shot any of it on film. But that would have been um, like a different – surely those early digital cameras are a different experience. Like what you can oh, get out are. of a camera today for like a of landscape course. or something. I think the biggest change has been the iPhone, to be honest. You know, like, yeah. uh, you know, the fact that when I do my, you know, feature Monday night presentations to to my group that, the um, you know, you can tell that – the ones that I've done in the early days because I don't have any video footage, whereas the more recent ones I've pulled out the iPhone and I've, you know, done a selfie video for a couple of minutes and, you know. That doesn't that sound like stuff. you. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I do like to share more than anything else. And, you know, like for those who might follow me on social and what have you, um, I just like to think that I can, I'd love to, everyone else to be there with me. When we go to these cool locations like, you know, Lake Baikal in Russia where you're standing on the middle of this 
frozen lake in Siberia, you know, the middle of nowhere. I just think how cool would it be for others to be here to experience this? It's not possible for everybody due to time and distance and, and money, et cetera, you know. Uh, but I, that's literally the reason why I do those videos. I'm not skylarking. I'm not saying, hey, guess what? I'm here and you're not. It's more like I'm here and I wish you were here with me. That's the whole purpose behind those videos. That's a very nice way to do it because I sit at home watching them going, oh, fine, go and be in Russia. I'll just sit here behind my computer. <laughs> All right, I'm not speaking to him for weeks when he comes back. So, so we did have another topic that we we're going to move on to, yeah. which uh, was going to form the basis of today's episode. But we've got nine uh, we minutes. Get, yeah, exactly. We've, we've, we're going to try and stick to this 45-minute schedule. Um, we thought we would chat briefly about the best ways that we've kept busy during this lockdown because at the moment the, the the day this has been recorded which is late july to 2020 for those who are listening uh years to come we are in the middle of our second lockdown of COVID 19 google that if you're not familiar with what it is and so we are in the middle of a, another six-week lockdown where we're not supposed to be really leaving our homes for anything other than to uh run down the shops or go to work if if it's necessary for us to work in an office environment. And, so, and for those who are thinking, aren't you professional photographers? Couldn't you just go literally anywhere and take a photo and be like, that was work? Well, we're actually, like to think so. we're more responsible than that, you know? Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Um, you know, it has been a shame because as this lockdown was announced, my son Ollie and I were down at Wilson's Promontory. I was showing him the prom for the first time, a place I absolutely love. And we had the most beautiful weather and, uh, and we'd only booked it for four nights. So at the end of that, little four-night stint we had to come home and and i'm only thinking to myself now how cool would it have been to have uh extended that not mm. possible unfortunately or whip down there again and get some lovely photographs while uh while i've got this time available because otherwise i'd be standing in my gallery and and, and manning that and so, whilst it's empty down there as well you don't have to photoshop all those people out <laughs> this is it it's generally pretty empty in the winter time anyway but we had the most brilliant weather and i mean this is the thing um We've um we've had the most incredibly mild winter. In fact, uh, we're supposed to actually be on our snow photo- annual snow photography workshop, and uh, and yet there's no snow. Oh, really? So how ironic is that? Oh, well, that's probably a good thing, isn't it? In a way, well, it is. Yeah. It is. We've had to sort of postpone it until after this lockdown, which is supposedly finishing on the nineteenth of August. Yeah. But um, we uh we we would have been running it now, and yet there's no snow. So that's that's a bit of fun. Well, anyway. I've got to say, like, I'm, and I don't, this is, I know that everyone's experienced this lockdown and situation very differently. So I'm not at all speaking for the, the masses, but there's been some really, from a photography perspective, I think I've actually gotten quite a lot out of this time. You know, I, I've spent a lot of my, I've got to say at least the last couple of weeks going through my Lightroom catalog and absolutely brutally deleting things. And I don't know whether it's oh, going to be you're, a you're, you're happy to delete. Uh, no, no, definitely not happy. <laughs> I've sat there but just... So why? Why are you deleting? Well, because I've, I've realized that um, when I go out on a, on a shoot, I don't tend to go to one spot and just shoot that one spot. So a lot of it, my photography happens when I'm on bigger trips. So um, uh, about three years ago, we bought like this really small off-road pop-up camper thing and we took off up through Central Australia and we did a month on the road got back to Melbourne and of course as soon as I hit Melbourne I just got whipped into the vortex again you know I had started my 250 workshop stint again the next nice. year you know we were off in Indonesia we were in Africa um then the year after that uh yeah we were in we went up to Cape York 
with our van. Um, again, did another month on the road. As soon as I get back, I just get hit with things. And when I'm on the road, I really don't like sitting down in the evening going through photos. You know, to me, my evening is kind of chill out, glass of wine, watch the sunset, you know, after after taking my shots. And so I've got like 60,000 photos that are still sitting there untouched. And it, wow. it turns out that I haven't even looked at half of them because I thought that when I got back that I actually spent a little bit of time at least scouring through them, kind of going, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. No, never seen half these photos in my life. I'm just like, whoa, look at that shot. Hey, Go yeah, you, man. I'm, I'm like a kid in a candy shop. <laughs> I, I have to look at mine straight away. I'm, I'm downloading. I've been known to have my laptop in the car and download on the way home. Oh, no. I'm driving up. I think if I've got a killer shot, you know, like those moments where you just go, holy crap, that just happened. Yeah, that I'll happens. definitely download those. Never. Probably happens all the time with you, yeah, but not with me. You see, Nick, 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 Nick Fletcher, that would never happen. No, no. Yeah, maybe on his phone. <laughs> Um, if he if he was maybe on one of our workshops, he might get that true. result. This is true. Yeah, but I, like I'll download those shots. But the problem is, I'll get so excited about that one shot that you know when you know everything happened that I'll kind of accidentally ignore what happened for the rest of the day. So I've got like shots throughout these trips that I've you know I, I wouldn't say chronologically I've gone through them, but I've picked out the you know the best one of each day kind of thing that I was like, well, that was the shot of that day, and it's only now like a year or two later going back, I'm like, oh my gosh, here I was thinking that, you know, those 20 shots represented that trip. But in actual fact, I'm finding heaps of good ones. And the problem I find with Lightroom when you don't delete things is that when you look at a folder that's got three and a half thousand photos, it's very hard to kind of go, where's the good ones? Like it's very hard to sort of see the, you know, the tree through the forest almost, you know? Right. Yes. Um, I guess. I've been really enjoying going back and, and being super brutal going, if I've got 10 variations of something, if they're too close in photos that I wouldn't publish both of them, yeah. all but the best one is absolutely being deleted. Right, right. Yeah. You're, you're uh, the opposite to me. I'm, I don't delete easily and I, I sort of figure that my time is better spent just picking out those gold nuggets, as you would say, mm. and then um, and just, and just forgetting out. the rest. Yeah, and this is why... Um, I don't often go through my photographs again because um, I figured I've already gone, done and sweep and picked out the best. But by the same token, I have gone through a second time um, more recently to put together presentations and, and, and remember that perhaps there's shots missing. And it is very gratifying to go through your photos again, particularly if you've forgotten what you've photographed, and to find, and, you know, as you said, little pats on the shoulder, have another gulp of wine because you've taken a great shot. Yeah. But also, you've got to admit, though, as well, like, I mean, we're saying this from a, call it a, again, pro photography perspective. Um, but Which I would, we're not going to get hung up on either, too, no. by the way. As in, on this podcast, I don't want it to be these two pro photographers talking pro photography speak and then no. everyone else listening is just going, well, that doesn't relate to me because I'm not a pro photographer. No, so I think this is where this start, really does come back to the, to the I'm going to call it the, the hobbyist, the enthusiast, the whatever you want to call it. But yeah you think about how many trips you've been on over the last X amount of years. And like, I'd say it's relevant to us as well, because, you know, you've been photographing for, you know, I'm going to say eternity, but, um, you know, let's call it like the last 10 years worth of content is probably sitting on that hard drive still. The amount of techniques that you will have learned in say Lightroom, Photoshop and things to know how to pull out information you maybe never would have been able to pull out before. And And the software catches up as well. You know, the Lightroom algorithms now are better than they ever were before. The detail you can pull out of the shadows and the highlights. Crazy. Far better than what it was 10 years ago. Yeah. So my argument to, to, to my clients or photography workshop participants when they say, 
oh, don't you delete? I say no, because potentially I can go back in years to come and I've got new skills or the technology is better and I can get a much better result out of that photograph that I otherwise might have deleted. Absolutely. And like, don't get me wrong, that is the hardest part about going through this craze at the moment of going like really hardcore deleting. I will say though, I'm not deleting things that I go, oh, that's just a bit average. If I'm saying that, I don't know about you, so if I take a photo, I'll do like maybe 10 variations of it with slight adjustments to the composition and whatnot. But if I already yeah. picked the one that I go, out of those 10, there's one that just clearly that's the one. The other nine can get deleted because, you know, right. but, but even if I said that out of 10 shots, they were all a bit average, but there was one that was slightly less average, I'll still keep the one version of it. So I'm not going right. and being totally brutal, but I don't want three and a half thousand photos. I want to, and I want to be able to go, hey, on that trip, here's my top, you know, maybe it's 300, but it's not 3,000. You sound like you've been having a positive experience going through your photos. I've had the opposite experience where mm. I've gone through mine and just realized how much shit I have in my Lightroom catalogs and how much I need to lift my game when this whole thing's over and done. <laughs> That's terrible. No, really, no it is. It's no serious. way. Like, is it? No, but it's like from what it's perspective? to the point where I'm like, why in the hell am I bothering? Right. Why, am, do I seriously consider myself to be a professional photographer because all this stuff is shit? Uh, okay, so for a start, let's just uh, rewind a little bit. Um, with the when you say that, I want to know what you're talking about. Are you talking about composition? Are you talking about you just totally cocked your settings up? Subject- just, no, just, no, 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 just like to everybody Generally. else, they're probably quite nice photos. But in general, I'm just going, well, that's just, the, the lights are average or, you know, the subject matter. Why did I take that photograph? Or, no, I think that's, a, know, that's I think, positive. That's a positive experience. That's I could negative. probably go through most of my I even shots I'm looking at that I took down at Frankston Foreshore the other night for a client and I look at them and it's a beautiful sunset and they're, they're nicely composed and they're nice panoramas and stuff. I look at them and go, oh, yeah, they're pretty average. Well, I mean – I don't want to be politically incorrect, but if you're taking photos of Frankston Pier, as nice <laughs> no, but as nice as nice as the pier is, it's going to bash Frankston. Aren't no, you? I'm just going to bash piers yeah. in general. I think oh, that, yes. I think okay. that at some point you've just got to go look. It's a wooden structure that goes out to the ocean, and yeah. the thing is, but, I'll give you an, okay. I'm going to give you an example of this. That's that's the same different subject matter, same problem. Weedy sea dragons that you desperately want to see. I've seen probably about half a billion of the same three of them. You know, there's like there's not that there's not that many. But I've seen them a lot of times. Like we're good mates. Okay. Okay. A lot of people in Victoria, when they first start diving and get into photography, all they want to do is go to Flinders, take photos, take photos, take photos. And they take hundreds and hundreds of photos. And these days, I actually find it, um, you know, as, as beautiful as it is, and I'm not dissing the location or diving in Victoria. I love it to pieces, but I have done probably in excess of a thousand dives in Vic on the same probably, you know generally five dive sites the thing for me is i've actually taken what i consider to be my best version of that sea dragon photo and there's there is not much more i could do that i'd be like oh if only the light was this or if only the color was that or if only the position it's like no no i've just done it so many times i feel like i've hit that point with this particular subject and i reckon that i I can't help but feel like you might be in that same position I, i think i've hit the same position but it's in panoramic or just photography taken from the ground in general mm. most of it yeah what the probably looking back on my more recent photos the ones that i've enjoyed more are the sort of foggy overcast misty we've had some great conditions like that in the last few weeks down here on the mornings peninsula and i've really enjoyed those type of photos 
but everything else where you've got that classic sunrise or sunset, a pier, a jetty, I know what you're saying. Actually, Christian Fletcher and I got ourselves banned from judging the AIPP uh, awards one year for saying to people that they shouldn't be entering any more photos of the Milky Way or piers, jetties, lone trees, things like that. Mm. In fact, I said it and I got Christian in trouble. Apologies, Christian. I'm sure he doesn't. I'm sure we both have moved on and don't give a crap anymore. But um, you're right. These these classic sort of cliches. Uh, yeah, they. they I, I just say that the world doesn't need another sunrise or sunset photo, which is probably very disparaging for those who. Um, uh, are amateur or hobbyist photographers and say, well, you know, I like going out and shooting my sunrises and sunsets and I want a photograph of that, you know. So I don't, think there's, anything, I don't think there's anything wrong with aspiring to get one yourself because that's kind of like, no. it's almost like saying that because there's really amazing chefs on the planet, there's really no point in me cooking. You know, I think that at the end of the day, having your own version of it and knowing that you achieved it, that gives it something yes. special. Like Laura won't let me hang photos on the wall that don't mean something to her. Um, right. And so I think the same kind of thing applies. If I see a really amazing photograph. Has she hung that new nude one of, of mine that I sent through? Yeah, it's actually above the, post- above the bed. <laughs> it's above I, the I bed. That one up there. I didn't yeah. want, no, no. I said it's not supposed to be above the bed. It's supposed to be the opposite end of the bed. Oh, so when you're looking in bed, you can see it. When I said that, I actually meant I've glued it to the ceiling. But um, Perfect, the, uh, perfect. Yeah, I, I think getting it for yourself. Well, you won't be having any more kids then. So there you go. <laughs> no, that's, that was actually one of the reasons <laughs> why I did it. Um, right, okay. Yeah, best form of contraception. But no, I think, it, yeah. I think it's important for people to, you know, if you if it excites you and you want to do it, that's awesome. But if you get to the point right. where you say, I've been to that one location five billion times, I've got the shot, I don't know how I could improve it, well, maybe it's time to find a new place to go. This is perhaps a, a nice segue through to our next episode. Yeah. What happens if you're sort of stuck in a rut with your photography? What should you do? Oh, yeah, we should do if that. If you're lacking motivation or inspiration, what is it that you can do to get yourself out of that? I know. Because there's probably a few people in that space at the moment. 100%. You know? Well, especially going back out into the big wide world because mm. we've got some pretty high hopes. And I reckon when we get out there, we're going to be like, oh, I remember this. And actually, yeah, no, I have been here a lot. We're going to smash it, we hope. It's funny because you like exercise for inspiration. I like the wines. So we're kind of opposite <laughs> in that. So next episode should be fun. Okay, fair enough. Well, what is that supposed to mean? That I'm supposed to record it while I'm walking down the beach and you're going to be sitting in your in your leather chair uh, having a wine? Well, I was thinking more like we could just whack and you on a, a on a treadmill and I'll, um, I might do mine from the bath. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's giving me all sorts of visuals that I don't need and we should probably wrap it up because we've rabbited on uh, far too long now. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. It's been a blast. I hope you've enjoyed that, everybody. Thanks for joining us on uh, the first episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. Uh, listen up again there'll be another random podcast coming at some stage soon and uh, Matt looking forward to speaking to you then it's going to be fun cheers mate see you later bye bye bye